Upward family, the lights come on with a flash this morning. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood today, isn't it? All right, say it a little better than that. Come on. Come on, let's hear from you this morning. Welcome our online audience this morning. So good to have all of you visiting with us today or with us today as you are so many people. And remember this, so many people are with us every weekend from many different states and several different countries, and they're here every week watching online, and we want to say we love you guys and thank you for being with us. Can you give them a big hand of welcome this morning? I want to say, too, what a tremendous job Pastor Leanne did last week sharing God's Word with us. Didn't you love that? I was so incredibly blessed. I have never seen a person do a better job their first time out. Can you believe that was her first time ever doing that? She looked like an old pro at that, and God spoke through her. She had a line of people coming up to her telling her how God used her last week to speak the word into our lives, and I'm so thankful for that. Give her a big hand of appreciation. Uh, we love her. You will hear from her again. Trust me on that one. We are in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 20. You can go ahead and turn in your phones to Second Chronicles 20 or your Bibles if you still go the old-fashioned way you can do that as well. Second Chronicles 20 we're going to finish up a four-part series called Visit Us and we have been as a church fasting and praying asking God to show up in Henderson County in a big way. That's our prayer because there are solutions there are problems that only have a God solution. There are problems that uh, I believe you ought to vote but there are problems that your vote can't change. There are problems that more laws can't change. There are problems that more systems and structures can't change. And all those things are good things. But there's some deep-rooted problems in our community that only God can change. Because many of these problems, the answer to them is a change in the human heart. And only Jesus can do that. Did you know Jesus can do a really good job of that? Jesus can come into a situation and absolutely change your heart. I've struggled my life with many things, as I know you have. Sometimes habits that I wanted to lay down, and I would think in my mind that I wanted to change, but somewhere my heart wasn't ready for that. I needed Jesus to change me in here. And he does a tremendous job of that. He changes human hearts. Now, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is a scene of a battle, very serious battle going on. King Jehoshaphat received news that three armies had banded together and come invade his kingdom. He was one of the Old Testament kings over the kingdom of Judah. And his messengers came and said, three armies have banded together and they're coming together to destroy us. He was hopelessly outnumbered. There was... Humanly speaking, there was zero chance that he would survive. These armies were far larger than any army he had. He was going to die. His kingdom was going to be scattered, humanly speaking. And his first response was to panic. Anybody been there? I'd like to see a hand from you non-super spiritual people who are actually human. His first response was to panic. His second response was much better. He began to pray, and he said these famous words, the, my favorite words in the passage. He said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Anybody feeling that way this morning? I'm not sure what to do, but God, 
I'm turning my eyes to you, and I'm going to keep my attention on you. And then after he prayed this great prayer with the nation gathered together and they fasted together, God spoke through a man named Jehaziel and gave them a prophecy. And it was this powerful prophecy that said, you won't even have to fight this battle. This battle belongs to the Lord. Just take your positions and take your stand and watch God come in and do God things that you cannot do. And today we're getting to the place where we actually see what God did. We've been in some battles over the last decade. And by decade, I mean the last two years. <laughs> 2020 to now has been a decade. I don't care what a decade's supposed to be. It's a decade. Can we just call it a decade? 2020 to now was a decade. And we've been through some battles. And I don't care what you think about these battles. I know people view the last two years differently, and you have all kinds of opinions about them, and so do I. But it's been a battle for all of us. And I think right now as we're starting to come out of one season, and it feels to me like as a world and as a nation, we're coming out of one season and coming into a new one. And it feels to me like we're dealing with the trauma of the past two years as we walk into this new season. Because no matter what you think about the last decade... We've been through some trauma together, haven't we? Have you noticed people who have a shorter fuse than they used to? I say people because I don't want to say you. (laughs) But I probably should say, have you noticed you have a shorter fuse than you used to have? A few honest folks. Any honest folks say, have you noticed you have a shorter attention span than you used to have? Have you noticed pain in your life and grief just kind of jumping up unexpectedly and you say, where'd that come from? I think we're dealing with a post-traumatic situation. Post-traumatic anxiety and post-traumatic stress are really real. And we're coming out of some of these battles and we're starting to feel the pain of what we've been through. I mean, for two years, every day all we heard in the news was disaster. And then we went out, now whatever you think about masks, let me just tell you what we set it up for. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you don't, don't. That's what we said. I know I just made some people mad right there. But whatever you thought about those, we also lived in a world where our faces were covered for two years and you couldn't see people smile. That has effects. Whether you agreed with them or not, let me pat you on the back, that had effects on us. And we're walking out of that now and starting to feel it. My wife went through this huge health battle starting almost a year ago, we're almost to the year anniversary of when this started, and she was hit with this tremendous anemia, and I've talked about it, and I don't say this so you can feel sorry for me, but I think you'll relate to this. She went through this serious battle. We were at the beach, and she started feeling really, really ill, and uh, we called some friends. Uh, Dr. Gary Prechter sitting out here. We called him, and he helped save her life for real, and uh, thank, thanks to this guy right here. love him so much. He said, you need to get to an ER, and we were five hours from home. We went to an ER there. It was full. 
like they were for two years. And so we said, we're driving home. And we drove home for five hours. She almost collapsed in a gas station. When we got home, they said her hemoglobin was at 4.3. And normal is 12 to 14. 4.3 is where your organs start shutting down. And uh, we did not realize, we came close to just losing her. Her doctor told her, one of her doctors told her a month ago, said, I've never seen anybody come back from that low. She's a miracle. This week we went to the doctor, and guess what the number is? 13.2 this week. God's been good. God's been good. We ask y'all to pray for 14. We're almost there. My friend Brownie asked me every Sunday, is it 14 yet? I texted him. He's the first person I texted when I came out of the doctor's office because he asked me every week. God's been good. But I want to tell you something weird that happened to me last weekend. We were in Memphis, Tennessee, visiting with our daughter and had a wonderful time. But last weekend, it hit me how close we came to losing her. And for the first time, this may seem weird, when you get in a crisis, you put your head down and you battle through it, and you don't really stop to think about what it's doing in here. But last weekend, for the first time, it hit me. The pain of what we went through hit me last weekend. Tears came to my eyes, and I said, what is going on with me? And I realized we had put our heads down and fought through that. And now that things are starting to get better, I was starting to feel that. Does that resonate with anybody? I'm not the only one by a long shot that's been through anything the last two years. We've all been through tough times. And it seems like everybody I talked to said the battle in our culture was huge and the battle for over COVID and all that was huge. But there have been secondary battles that have hit us all in this time. And we're coming out of that, and we're feeling the results of it right now. We've come out of one battle, it seems, into another one. And I really believe 2 Chronicles 20, in this particular passage we're in today, is going to give us some powerful solutions as we walk through this battle together. I believe Christians ought to be distinct. If you follow Jesus, your life ought to be different from your friends that don't follow Jesus. I'll ask for an amen. This means say amen, all right? We're going to put up signs up here that flash amen for you to help you. Now, we're probably not going to do that, but uh, maybe we need that. Um, Christians ought to be different. If you're not different from your non-believing friends, then your faith is lacking. I don't say that to condemn you. I don't say that to shame you. But understand, as a follower of Jesus Christ, there ought to be a distinction in your life. A Christian should talk differently from a non-Christian. And I don't just mean cussing. I mean, a Christian shouldn't criticize and gossip and slander and be drawn into those things. A Christian should live differently. And one of the things that we'll see today that I believe to be true is a Christian should fight their battles differently from the world. When we're in a battle, that's when they should really notice our faith because we fight differently. We don't plan the songs very often at all that we put with a message. But when I prepared this message, I thought, I hope they sing that song that says, this is how I fight my battles. And here it is. 
Because in the Old Testament, they fought battles in really weird ways. In the Old Testament, God would direct them how to fight their battles, and it was in no way the way the rest of the world fought their battles. I mean, there were times in Sodom and Gomorrah, the angels of God were sent to rescue a couple of people, and they, the, the men of the, of the towns cornered them in a house. And God said, just stand back and watch what I do. And God blinded all those men and saved them. Unconventional battle. When Moses led the children of Israel right up to the Red Sea, which was a very poor tactical move on Moses' part. When you got a whole nation that's fleeing the armies of a much mightier nation, you don't run them into a dead end up against a sea in between two mountains. But God led them there and he said, Moses, here's what you do. You stand over the Red Sea and hold out your staff and watch me work. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. I love it when God just says, stand back. I got this. I think God's saying that to us this morning and he's saying it to you. Stand back. I've got this. Close your mouth. You laugh because you know how hard that's going to be. <laughs> Close your mouth, stand back, watch me work. Moses held out his staff, the Red Sea parted. They went across on dry ground. The armies of Pharaoh followed them. The sea closed on their enemies. What they thought was an obstacle was actually the means of their deliverance. Battle of Jericho, if you could call it a battle, Big city with high walls, and they didn't know how to overcome the city. And God says, here's what you do. You don't catapult things over the wall. You don't attack the wall. You march around the wall. And you march as long as I tell you to march. And when I tell you you're done, you're going to shout. There was also trumpet blowing somewhere in there, too. I probably should have gone back and read that before I jumped into it this morning. But they lifted up a shout, and guess what happened? The walls fell flat. God says, stand back and obey me, and I'll fight for you. And that's exactly what happened. Let's jump into verse 20. That's all introduction now. Now I'll start preaching now. The clock starts now. Second uh, Chronicles 20, 20, it says this. God told them, what he told them? Go stand in your positions. Then he said this, early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. And on the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in his prophets, and you will succeed. God says two things. Number one, believe in God, and you'll be able to stand. That's a good word for you this morning. If you will stand on the word of God, you're going to stand. If you will base your life on what he says through his word and through his spirit, you are going to stand. Then he says, secondly, believe in God's prophets, and you will not just stand, you will succeed. God sent a man to them, Jehaziel, to give them a prophecy. And God said, you believe my word, and you believe the word of my prophets. I want to tell you something. We need to honor the prophetic voices that are in our world today. Some of you may think prophecy has passed away. Let me just tell you, it hasn't. We need a word from God in our day. And we need to give honor to God's word. We need to give honor 
to God's servants who speak the word over us. For you, that's me. There's no way around that. I don't like saying that because it's very self-serving. But for the pastors who get up here, it's not just me. I'm not the only voice in your life. But if you attend here, I'm your pastor. Shouldn't have to tell you that. We've come to not trust people in our world today. We've come to not trust authority figures. And sometimes it leads to us even dishonoring the word that they speak over us. Let me tell you, when I or another one of the pastors come here and speak a word over you on a weekend, you need to give honor and give heed to that word because God says, if you listen to my prophets, you will succeed. Amen. And just understand, if God has put you here, he's called my voice and our leadership to be a voice in your life to speak his word. And we're not in some crazy, unhealthy culture when we can't be wrong. You'll hear me many times say, I was wrong and I'm sorry. We're not in some unhealthy culture where you have to kiss my ring. <laughs> Granny Belva was thinking I wouldn't do that anyway. But we do need to give honor to God's word and to his prophets. All right, let's move on. That's not the main thing I want to tell you today. Verse 21 and 22, I loved it. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising him for his holy splendor. This is what they sang, give thanks to the Lord, his faithful love endures forever. Now listen to verse 22. At that very moment... At the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. I don't get it. When it comes time to go into battle, I want the soldier boys to lead, not the choir boys. I'm sorry if that offended you, but I want the people that can shoot out front, not the people that can sing. Is that okay? Because I'm a human being like you. If somebody breaks into my house, I don't want to start singing. right? Let's just be real, real around here. I know what you're thinking. You already know where I'm going, and, but I, I just want to be real with you for a sec. It's like if you had, if you're in the state championship football game and it's tied at halftime and the coach says halftime, he's got him in a huddle and he says, boys, just sit down. We're going to let the band play the second half. <laughs> Whoa, now. Maybe we should let the football team play. But they did the exact opposite here. Jehoshaphat was hearing from God. David had appointed, uh, I think it's in, uh, oh, I knew the reference. Anyway, David had appointed a group of people who were the singers. And they were a very important group of people. They had a lot higher position in the minds of, of Judah at the time than they would in our day. He appointed them to minister before the Lord in song. 
And Jehoshaphat had heard from God and he said, the singers are going first because praise is going in front of any might we might have. It tells me that when we go into the battle, we need to lead with praise. It's one of those things that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but it works. See, here's what happens. Praise pulls heavenly victory down into earthly reality. That's the one thing you may need to take away today. When you praise, it pulls the victory that has already been won in heaven down into your earthly reality. See, here's the thing, living in New Testament times, our victory has already been won by Jesus Christ. Done. When he died on the cross and when he rose from the dead and when he ascended to the Father in heaven, your victory in him was won and it's done and it's over with, it's paid for. The key is how to get that heavenly victory to work in your earthly situation. How that victory can become a reality in your daily life. And what this scripture tells us is, and I don't think it's a mistake, it says at the very moment they began to praise, God brought the victory. When I begin to praise, God begins to move in my situation. It's as if God in heaven is hearing praise and hearing praise. God doesn't tell us to praise Him, by the way, because He needs His ego stroked. He knows who He is and He's God and He always will be whether you praise Him or not. Praise just opens the door for Him to be all that He wants to be in our earthly situation. It's as if God in heaven hears so much praise that he said, enough's enough. I'm going to go down there and beat up some demons. I'm so filled with praise, I'm going to go fight. As I was preparing for this message, I, I sort of stumbled across a passage in Isaiah 42. And I love it, and I'm just going to read it to you. I think the Word of God's more powerful than anything I can say to you today. Isaiah 42 tells us this exact thing. Isaiah wrote, Sing a new song to the Lord. Sing His praises from the ends of the earth. Sing all you who sail the seas, all you who live in distant coastlands. Join in the chorus, you desert towns. Let the villages of Kedar rejoice. Let the people of Selah sing for joy. Shout praises from the mountaintops. Let the whole world glorify the Lord. Let it sing His praise. Isaiah is saying, let the whole world begin to praise the Lord. Then what happens? Verse 13 says this, Then the Lord will march forth like a mighty hero. He will come out like a warrior full of fury. He will shout his battle cry and crush his enemies. He will say, I have long been silent. Yes, I have restrained myself. But now, like a woman in labor, I will cry and groan and pant. I will level the mountains and hills and blight their greenery. I will turn the rivers into dry land and will dry up all the pools. I will lead blind Israel down a new path, guiding them along an unfamiliar way. I will brighten the darkness before them and smooth out the road ahead of them. 
Yes, I will indeed do these things. I will not forsake them. That's what God says. When all the earth sings, God begins to move on behalf of God's people and destroys His enemies. Now, I better make this clear. Enemies, our enemies are never people. I'm about to talk about what happens to our enemies. And when I do that, I don't want you to picture people. Because I know the first thing some of you are going to do, you're going to think about politicians. Yeah, God's going to get them all. What we've got to deal with is the spirit behind it. Say, preacher, you say that a lot. I need to say that every Sunday. Because it's the spiritual battle behind it that's the problem. There is so much spiritual battle going on in our nation and in our community right now. Can I tell you, I'm just prepared to tick people off this morning, so put on your thick suit this morning. One of the battles that the enemy has fought hardest is to steal the minds of a generation. And to twist the thinking One of the things he's done, the, are you like me, that you see some things coming down the culture and you look at it as a person with common sense and say, that's pure insanity. I can't be the only one. And I'm not mad at anybody. I don't have an axe to grind. Let me tell you, I love people regardless of whatever they struggle with, whatever political party. Jesus loves them and I do too. If you're here from any of those groups, we love you, and I'm glad you're here. I mean that. I sincerely mean that. I have friends that really disagree with me on stuff, and we're still friends. But some of the stuff I'm hearing, I'm thinking, my grandfather, if he could come back, would say, what have y'all been smoking? (laughs) Because some of it, is so insane that it just doesn't contradict faith. It contradicts tens of thousands of years of science. And all of a sudden, we're supposed to toss all that away. And I found that as I discussed this with some people, that I can't even reason with them. Because this thinking... I want you to be able to receive this. The thinking that's coming down the pike, much of it, it's not just insane, it's demonic. It's a demonic thinking to twist us and destroy us as a society. And that will not be done by debates. It will not be won by all that. It's going to be won by spiritual victory, by authority over demonic forces in the spiritual world i'm sorry if you're uncomfortable with this but we're in a battle and we got to fight this battle the right way and when we decide we're going to praise the lord spiritual things break jump over to the new testament it happened there too there's a couple of missionaries in the new testament named paul and silas they went to a town called philippi And demonic activity was happening in the town. This young lady who was a fortune teller, 
she'd go around and tell people their fortunes. Don't go to those folks. You got the Holy Spirit. You got this. You don't need any other spirit talking to you. And they're out there and they'll talk to you. Don't get a Ouija board. If you got one, get rid of it. We'll come over and pray over your house. I mean that sincerely. I'm not joking. Oh, I got to stop and fix this now. Here's the deal. I got to stop and explain it. Whenever you open your life to another spiritual force that's not the Holy Spirit, you invite problems into your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. Well, preacher, I don't walk under a ladder because it could bring... You know when you're superstitious? I'm going to hit that one right now. I, I need extra credit today. I'm throwing in extra for you guys. When you're superstitious, you know what you've just done? You've acknowledged that there's a power in the universe that controls your life that's not God. And whenever you do that, you invite its control over your life. Paul and Silas, keep moving, preacher. Paul and Silas in Philippi, this fortune-telling girl who's possessed by a demonic spirit that gives her the ability to tell fortunes. She runs around behind Paul and Silas saying, these are servants of the Most High God. Some preachers would have welcomed that. Paul knew it was a demon. Paul put up with it for a little while. But there come a time when he said, enough of this, enough's enough. Come out of her. And the demon left her. The people that owned her, yes, she was a slave. The people that owned her got ticked off at Paul and Silas, had them thrown in prison. So they seized Paul and Silas. They beat them. I mean, they're bleeding, probably broken bones. They put them in the inner prison, which is a horrible, nasty place. They put them in the stocks where their hands and feet are bound together. They cannot be comfortable. And it's the middle of the night. Don't mess with me at night. Anybody, I don't want to be messed with at night. You want to hit me, hit me during the day. But after about 9.30, that's night for me. Bible said they're in jail, bloodied and beaten at midnight. Acts 16, 25, got to be one of your favorite verses. It is one of mine. Around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Wow. And the other prisoners were listening. Midnight, bloody, broken, in the stocks, they began to sing. And the other prisoners heard it. And you know what happened? First of all, people who are in your situation need to hear some praise. Your partners in suffering need to hear you praising. But when they began to sing, guess what? God struck the prison with an earthquake. And the earthquake only had one effect. It didn't kill anybody. It opened all the cell doors. They all come open. You ever been in a jail before? <laughs> Chris, they don't want to admit this, but first time I went in the Henderson County Jail, I was a chaplain, by the way. That's why I went in there. I got lost in there. They kept opening doors for me. 
They got an intercom in there. They did then. I got lost. I'm like, you know how I got out of there? They were like, turn left, preacher. <laughs> turn right, preacher. And they opened those doors. Man, when you walk in there and those doors close, it's like, wow, this is serious. I told them when I left there, I said, it's hard to get out of this place. They said, by design. <laughs> That's what it's about. All the cell doors open. And here's the miracle. The jailer saw what was happening. He's about to cut his throat because he knew the penalty of losing his prisoners was death. Paul yelled out and said, hey, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. The prisoners heard the praise and they wouldn't even leave. Wow. The jailer's about to cut his throat. They're all there. Paul and Silas are like, hey, let's go to your house and have dinner. And my prison door's open. I'm going to tell you something. If I'm in jail and the door's open, I'm out of town. I'm getting out of the county fast as I can go. He's like, let's sit down and have dinner. He goes to the Philippian jailer's house, and the jailer and all his family come to Christ that night. Because God shook that place when people praised. When God's people began to praise, this is what it says, the armies. Verse 23, of Moab and Ammon, Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. And after they destroyed the armies of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground. Not a single enemy escaped. I'll tell you, friends, we don't have to worry about our enemies because demons will turn on each other. Do you know demonic forces are not loyal even to each other? When God's people begin to praise, confusion will arise among the enemies of God. And the enemies of God will turn on each other and go down together. And God will rule and reign when everything's done. Say, so what's going to happen in our future? Well, it depends. Will we rise up and be the people of God? Will we get drawn into the fight and fight according to fleshly warfare, destroy our influence and become absolutely irrelevant, just a bunch of, oh boy, I'm getting mad up here. Are we just going to be another angry voice in a world filled with angry voices or are we actually going to be the hands, the feet, and the body of Jesus Christ in our nation? I expected a better amen, because that's the best preaching you've heard in a long time right there. I wish I'd heard something that good. Are we really going to be the body of Christ? Or just another angry voice? Are we going to praise Him from the midst of our battles? They ask a faithful older missionary. Her name was Mary Slosser, and I love this. They asked her, they said, Mary, how have you, she was a missionary to China for many years. They said, how do you have the victory every day? She said, every day I sing the doxology and dismiss the devil. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I started way too high and I'm going to pay for it in a minute. <laughs> Praise Him all creatures here below. 
Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Here we go. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. Oh, boy, the devil didn't like that. Oh, he didn't like that. You know what I've started doing since I read this? I read about Mary. I've started singing that in the morning and night. Because that's the two times the devil wants to hit you more than any other, I believe. The minute you wake up and right before you go to sleep. When I wake up, the devil starts putting junk in my mind. And right before I go to sleep, to try to keep me awake all night. I've started waking up and singing the doxology quiet, quietly because I don't want to wake my wife up. And then before I go to bed, I praise God last night, and I slept like a baby. If she hadn't, what's the word, woke me up, awakened me up, I can't even come up with the English. If she hadn't waken me up this morning, I wouldn't even be here. <laughs> Decide that you're going to praise Him. Last verse of this says, when they went down to the, va- the, to the battlefield, they named it. And they called it the Valley of Blessing. What could have been their destruction, they look back upon as a great time of blessing in their national history because they praised. Can we develop a new habit? I didn't just get up here this morning to preach so you could say, oh, that was a good one. I'll come back next week. Nope. We came here to say, we came here to develop something new. Can we do that when we get up? praise. If you don't know what to say, we just gave you a song. Before you go to bed, praise. Jesus is going to make make himself manifest in your life. I promise you. I promise you. Let's pray together. Jesus, we love you. We thank you today for your word. Thank you for your truth, for your life. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let God be God right now in your hearts. Let him deal with you. Thank you, Jesus. You're here and you know you need to say yes to Jesus. It's time. Enough's enough. Been up and down, back and forth. It's time you make a decision to say yes to him as the Lord of your life. I'm going to ask you right now, not embarrass you, but I'm going to ask you just to put your hand up where I can see it. Today's my day to say yes to Jesus. Can I see your hand right now? Thank you for that. Somebody else? Somebody else? Somebody else? Today's your day. Enough's enough. Saying yes to Jesus is my Savior. Can anybody say, Pastor, I I don't want to be an angry voice. I want to be a voice of praise to God. I want to be the body of Christ in in my world. I want to be part of that great body that makes a difference. Can I see your hand right now? Oh, yeah, man. I've been tempted to be another angry voice. Oh, may I develop the habit of praise in my life. I want to pray right now for those saying yes to Jesus. I invite you just to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me, for dying for me. Come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Be my Savior and my Lord from this day forward. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Can we celebrate that right now? Can we celebrate it? Before I bless you out this morning, Bible says, give honor to those who, to whom honor is due. And we have a precious part of our congregation. Every, uh, every week, we have the Henderson County Sheriff's Department here to keep us safe. And they do a tremendous job of that. <laughs> tremendous job of that. 
and we are so thankful for them and all who work with them. Most of the time, most Sundays, it's one of my favorite people, Michelle Hensley. And Michelle, in uh, less than two weeks, she's going to retire from the Sheriff's Department with 18 years of service. This is her last Sunday on duty here, and we want to welcome Michelle and give her honor today. We love her so much. She told me when she came out here, she said, there's no crying in uniform. I said, I'll bet you we love you so much, Michelle. I've known Michelle for probably 15 years. Remember coming to give devotions to her on that squad, and we were a lot younger back then, Michelle. And she has been a blessing to us at Upper Christian Fellowship. She's promised me that her and Dave are going to be back here as attenders in the church even after she's off duty, and we love them. Michelle small token of our love for you and our appreciation for you and for Dave and all you've done for so long. We love you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Love you. Love you. Love you. I am so thankful for the men and women that serve us and love us and are so faithful. You ready to be blessed this morning? We believe in the power of spoken blessing and I want to bless you today. Would you just lift your hands again from Isaiah 42. The word of the Lord, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you and will give you to my people Israel as a symbol of my covenant with them. And you will be a light to guide the nations. You will open the eyes of the blind. You will free the captives from prison, releasing those who sit in dark dungeons word of the Lord from Isaiah 42. Now I commission you in the power of the Holy Spirit, go out of this place and make Jesus known. The most important part of your service for Jesus starts now to go into your community and make him known. You're sent. You're blessed. Love you so much. You be blessed as you go out today. Next week we start a new series, Who is Jesus? We're going to learn who he really is. See you then.